for me, it's been a challenge of of multiple mountains that I've had to climb throughout, you know, the many years of my career and you just have to keep going. And I think that a lot of founders and entrepreneurs that fell, unfortunately, they just decide they no longer want to climb the mountain. And for those that continue to climb and and really just set their mind that they're going to do it are, are really the ones that in the end succeed. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lines. And I'm Suchi Srinivasan. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. In this special holiday episode, we're going to take you back to season one for Andrea Gallego's conversation with Constance Curtis, founder at The List. The List is using AI and data science to transform dating for the 21st century. Constance came up with the concept of The List after getting fed up with online dating apps and not being able to afford expensive matchmaking services. Now she's determined to revolutionize modern dating and leverage technology to ensure that everyone can access love and companionship. Her story is sure to be inspiring for anyone out there who has an idea that they want to turn into a reality. She's got lots of insights into challenges that every entrepreneur will face, raising capital, facing rejections, and recruiting smart people to work alongside you. Here's Andrea's conversation with Constance Curtis. So why don't you, I know you really well, I'm super excited to have you here, but why don't you uh, tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you've been up to, your career path? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Yuma, Arizona. I grew up at, with a grandfather and a father and a mother who are all entrepreneurs. Um, so I was surrounded by adults every morning who were excited to go to work and you know passionate about what they were building. I went to the University of Arizona, and after graduation, I went into the corporate world, and I worked for the Walt Disney Company in their marketing department for a few years. So we worked with third-party companies such as McDonald's or Verizon Wireless to promote our films. And I loved it, or actually, I shouldn't say I loved it. I liked (laughs) the corporate world, but I, (laughs) I always knew that I really wanted to work for myself, but... I just didn't know, you know, what that looked like at the time. And my sister got engaged a few years after I graduated college, and I helped her to plan her wedding, and I realized that I could actually make a career out of that. So that is how I started my first company, Constance Curtis Events, and I built that company for about 12 years. Um, And, you know, during the course of that 12 years, I was working from home and not in an environment where... I was going out with coworkers to happy hours and, and meeting people um, outside of work. So at a young age, I, I turned to online dating. And that is really what led me to where I am now in my career with building the list. Awesome. So first of all, you sound very, very fearless because I think a lot of people <laughs> that are listening or that I've ever spoken to you are probably like, what do you mean you just like did this and then you found this and then so you went this way. So where... Is it your family? Is it, do you have mentors? Like, where did you get this sort of muscle to just do what you love and and go with it? Yeah, I have a mindset that I can accomplish, you know, anything that I set my mind to. And I've I've always been really, really good at, at laying out a plan 
setting goals and self-motivating myself, I actually think that that's where it it comes from. A lot of it is just having that self-motivation and that drive that I can reach these goals, but don't (laughs) let that uh, mislead you. There are definitely, definitely times where, you know, I've doubted myself many times along the way as I think many especially women, um, have in, in their career path. So yes, I have that self-motivation and that, and that drive that comes from inside. And maybe that is from being surrounded by parents that I've seen firsthand build successful companies, but there's definitely times where it's been very hard and, you know, you, you self-doubt yourself, of course, along the way. For me, it's been a challenge of, of multiple mountains that I've had to climb throughout, you know, the many years of my career and you just have to keep going. And I think that a lot of founders and entrepreneurs that fell, unfortunately, they just decide they no longer want to climb the mountain. And for those that continue to climb and and really just, you know, set their mind that they're going to do it are, are really the ones that in the end succeed. Exactly. You speak about mountains, right? What, what's been one of your biggest ones? What's sort of been one of your bigger barriers that, that you've had to overcome? I think with the list, one of the biggest ones in the beginning was that I don't have a tech background. So it was intimidating at first, right? When I started to talk to people that had years of experience in the tech industry, I started to become intimidated, like, you know, and really self-doubt myself, maybe I I can't do this. I didn't realize, honestly, like how many different languages there were and all of the, you know, you're waiting data sets. And I thought, oh my goodness, like what am I getting myself into? And then I was talking to an advisor who honestly reminded me that, you know, as a CEO, I don't have to have all of the answers, right? I don't have to know how to code, I don't have to suggest every single method that we should use to weight weight different data sets, but I do as a CEO of of a tech company, since I don't have a, you know, a tech background, it is my job to attract incredible talent, to attract a strong tech co-founder and really surround myself with individuals that are smarter than I am. And that's actually, I've learned to not let that intimidate me, to it's, it's important to be able to surround yourself with incredibly smart people and not feel intimidated by that. And I think that's the one thing that I've done in honestly all aspects of my life, um, whether it's my personal relationships, my work relationships, is surround myself with individuals that I can constantly continue to learn and grow from. I just want to take a moment to say how much that one that means to me, because I, I can't, and I'm sure to so many people in our audience I can't emphasize enough, especially for women, how hard it is for us sometimes to get out of this competitive space and realize that having not only a bunch of people around us that are smarter, but women around us that are smarter is such an incredible and powerful thing. You know, I I have this thing in my room and I think it's, I don't know if it's Ruth Ginsburg or one of the other women or whether it's Gloria Steinem, but I think it's Ruth who said there is a special place in hell for women that don't support each other. And I can't and not like, but it is because we have this imposter syndrome and because we're so intimidated naturally, it's almost like a natural reflex to be like, and I'm going to put it out there 
to feel like, oh my God, this woman's going to take my job or, oh my God, now I'm not the smartest or, oh my God, now how am I going to get promoted? How am I, what if she gets promoted faster than I do? And it's just like, if she does, then she pulls you up. So you better hope she does, right? Or you better hope this female founder is successful because she will bring more female founders, right? And I need to say it to myself all the time because it, it is just, I mean, at least personally, a reflex to be like, okay, I feel kind of not the best anymore. Uh-oh, right? When it shouldn't feel that way. So thank you so much for, that means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, at the very least, me being on this podcast, a goal it would be to just inspire women who are listening right now that are considering starting a tech company. If you don't have a background in tech, it's that is okay. There are mentors out there, such as Andrea, she's one of my mentors, that there are, you know, women that want to help you succeed. There are men that want to help you succeed. There are people that are willing to, you know, lend out a hand. And I am I am where I am today because of all of those people in my life that have helped me along the way. And I'm, I'm, I'm super thankful um, for so many people that I've met during this journey. So before I start crying on the podcast, <laughs> which everyone will hear me ugly cry, um, let's talk about the list, which is a really, really cool product that you're, and just company that you're building. So tell us when this sort of, you were like, what is this dating thing and why is it so bad? When did this inflection point happen? Yeah. So um, I was a consumer in the online dating space for many, many years and let me, let's be honest, it's fun it, at first. It's it's fun. It's a game, right? Swiping, swiping left, swiping right. Let's see how many matches you can get. <laughs> then we face something called dating app fatigue. And I, like so many people out there right now, even maybe some listening right now, are just frustrated. Became I became frustrated with the apps and the problems of falsification and, and scammers and, and being ghosted um, and so many other problems that, that came along. And I was looking for a better experience when it came to dating. Um, and so I started looking into you know, matchmakers and, and, you know, what does a traditional matchmaker do? There is a high demand for convenience and ease, right? Especially for those individuals that are time-strapped. And not only do matchmaking services lighten the workload to getting out on a date, which honestly shouldn't be so much work, but it is these days, but they offer a personalized human touch and connection to someone's dating life. And naturally, that emotionally resonates better than the colder, less personalized experience of using the apps. So that's really got what got me interested in exploring more of the traditional matchmaking service. And when I looked into hiring a matchmaking company for myself, I was truly blown away by how expensive it was, ten to $20,000. And that's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And and it's really only affordable to high wealth individuals. And so the, my first motivation came from, we need to create a better experience for those that maybe can only afford a thousand or a couple thousand dollars, right? I mean, honestly, even that can be expensive. So that's kind of where the first motivation came to creating the list and creating a an affordable, personalized experience in the dating world. So back in 2019, we actually launched the list in 
the B2C space in our customer was, you know, the individual looking for a match. And as we continued to bill and scale that company, I realized just how old school the traditional matchmaking market was. There had been no innovation in that higher end segment of the dating market. And that is when we decided to build a powerful search and collaborative filtering engine that will allow matchmakers to find a match for their client anywhere in the entire world. And not only that, but then create AI that automates the reach out to these potential matches that will allow uh, traditional matchmaking services to scale their business. Yeah, I don't think I ever get tired of hearing the story, but <laughs> it's just really, ex- I personally, like, same thing, right? These apps are great. They're kind of fun at first, but are you really going to find true love? Who knows, right? And I also think, like, bear with us, audience. We know it says AI and we know it says technology and, like, no, we're not completely automating, you know, the emotion away from love, but it is really, really cool that you've, you know, I definitely help with the tech, but you're thinking around, there has to be a better way to know if two people are connected. And the interesting thing is we've done it for so long in the corporate world. We have Myers-Briggs assessments. We have all kinds of personality assessments, empathy assessments. We have all of these assessments to make sure if we're a good employee, employer fit, but we've never even broached the topic from a personal perspective, even though, you know, we're all, we're sort of either digital or semi-digital. We know that there is a scientific component to having a good partner. And then there's a romantic and non-scientific component. And so I love that you're blending the two. And I actually think that's super, super unique. So I know some of our listeners probably have this question. So I'll come out with it. Any successful matches so far? Yes. Uh, We have a lot of successful matches and we had a client that honestly, we had to talk her into going on on this date. Um, (laughs) And for this, honestly, the silliest reasons, he was 5'9", not 5'10". You definitely see when it comes to dating, people get caught up in some pretty superficial things. And and unfortunately, I think that's just the world that we live in today, you know, with with Instagram and everyone, you know, just posting their their best lives everywhere. You you have this false sense of of reality almost when especially all the Instagram models and stuff. But <laughs> so we talked this client into going out on, on a date with this this really great guy and it took us a couple conversations with her, but she finally went and to this day she emails us and just thanks us like so much because she would never have swiped right on him or given this guy a shot. Now they've been dating for over a year. An engagement is in the works. And it's just all because of that human in between, really just encouraging. It's like a friend, right? You trust a friend. If so- you read my mind. I was like, who doesn't want a best friend to yes. be like, come on, like you need to give this a shot. He's super cool. You dated this other person. It didn't work out. This is like a carbon copy of that. Like, it's just so, who wouldn't want that? Like who wouldn't want that extra level of security of like, okay, this might work. This might work. It's not just you in your own head, like convincing yourself. <laughs> it's it's a very nice thing to have. Absolutely. So look, it sounds like an amazing idea. I also know as everybody talks about 
funding and capital raises can be some of the most intense things a founder goes through. It's funny. You have to look, you have to almost search for them, but I forget how many times Zuckerberg went through to try to get any funding at all for Facebook. And he almost didn't need any. I've seen all kinds of stories of people having to go for two years to like over 300 VCs before they got a shot. And some, some of those are literally some of the biggest companies we know today. What's been your journey and what advice do you have for people that are also like, yeah, if I have like one more failed VC, I'm just done, right? Yeah, I think uh, raising capital by far has been the biggest challenge I think I've ever faced in my life. And I've had hundreds of no's. And I've talked to founders that had thousands of no's and then they got two yeses, right? And so my advice that I tell myself, because I'm not done with my raise either, and I'm I'm actually today, this morning, I had a investor call that went really well. And after this, you know, podcast, I have a, I have a call investor meeting uh, this afternoon. So I'm living it right now. It's I, I live and breathe it every single day of my life. It's what keeps me up at night. But that said, you just have to keep going. And it can be really hard. And I Again, this is where a lot of people fail. They just, they feel like they can't raise the capital, but also figure out a way to make money. So we right now are generating revenue. It's not a ton of revenue, but it's paying the bills and we're creating more revenue than we're spending a month. So I think that that is really important. A lot of founders don't figure out a way to generate revenue. So the first thing I would say to any founder is figure out how to generate some type of revenue. Like even if you can, even if you're a software company, you can convince anyone to, you know, try out your product and and pay you just a little bit of money. I think that's first and foremost, really important. And then the second thing is just keep going. And there's going to be, you're going to have a way more no's than yeses. Everyone does. So expect that. Also find a group of founders that are going through the same thing. We we have founder meetups where we we go to happy hour and we talk about investor stories like, oh, this is what an investor told me. And, and we laugh about it. You have to, right? Because everyone has an opinion about what you're building and, and whatever it may be. So, and there's, and there's every founder is going through what you're going through. You're not going through it alone. So find other founders that are going through that and and lean on them for support as well. So as we wrap up, there's a few questions we always like to ask all of our wonderful guest speakers. The first one is, when have you felt in your element, that moment when time just ceases to exist? I'm most in my element when I am planning something. It's usually with, with family and friends. So I'm a big planner and I love to get people together. I'm a big connector. So anything from, you know, hosting Thanksgiving dinner and planning that and having all of the family together, or even just, I always say, I can't wait till I have a big enough house to, you know, have dinner parties and and connect people and, and invite people over. And that's really when I feel like I'm most in my element when I'm just bringing people together and, and connecting them. You're gonna have emails in your LinkedIn, like, "Hey, can you help me plan my? <laughs> can you help me plan my? I love event? it. I love it. Bring it on. 
Well, thank you so, so much, Constance. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. And we're really looking forward to that next that next chat and to hear about all the great feedback from our conversation. And yes, again, thank you. Thank you so much, Constance. And thanks, audience. Yes. And thank you, Andrea, for having me. And, and thank you for everyone for listening. And please feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That was our conversation with Constance Curtis, founder at The List. So Corinne, now that you heard the episode, what are some of your key takeaways from the conversation? Andrea, such a great conversation with Constance. I actually looked it up when you mentioned, uh, you know, women who don't support women. That's sort of like, there's a special place in hell for them. Uh, I think it was actually Madeline Albright that said that. I knew I got it wrong, by the way. I was like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I was like, I know this isn't right. However, Ruth is amazing. So I'm yeah. going to say her name. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you I can't go it wrong. Was her, but I was like, it's, was it Gloria Steinem? Like, yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't remember. So thank you because now, you know, I'm like, that's right. I also need like Madeline Albright is also uh, another just, oh, some of these women we've had in the past just need to like come back every time and be remembered. So much to learn from them. Such legacies that all of them have left. So that was great. Uh, let's see what else. I thought that was really great when uh, it was met. She mentioned like leveraging people to support you. She was like men and women because I know that in my career, I've had a lot of men that supported me through my career and, and all the different things that I've explored and things that have been challenging for me. Um, and I know that you shared all these different amazing women that you've come across in your path that have been great mentors for you. But just, I thought that was interesting, like bringing that to the fore again, like, look, men and women can support you and look for the people you connect with authentically and then go from there. That kind of resonated with me a little bit. I love that she said that too, because there, there's also in her space, look, there's a practicality about venture capital, which is that it's still mostly dominated by by men. I like that she wasn't like, oh, it's been awful because it's male. She's actually been like, no, it's been, part of it has been really good because those men in that industry have actually been helping me quite a bit. I love that she said that because, I, you know, I'll be very, in her element, let's just be clear, is not a male bashing podcast. Okay? Right. It is a place to empower women. And part of that means finding your male allies and your male right. champions. So yeah. I'm yeah. glad that she, that she called that out. Well, that's all for today. This has been In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us every episode to hear meaningful conversations with women leaders in digital business and technology. Happy holidays and thank you so much for listening. Thank you.